Today's program has been brought to you by the International Culinary Center. Offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management. From culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit internationalculinarycenter.com. I'm Leiti Sue, host of Word of Mouth. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. and welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today we're coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to After the Jump live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes anytime. In every big city across the U.S., there seems to be an inevitable pull toward a slower-paced, more rural life outside of the city at some point. Whether the inciting incident is a new marriage, children, or just a desire to find more of a work-life balance, it seems every generation seems to find its call to leave the city at some point. This is increasingly true of New York City, where younger artists and makers seem to be drawn to the suburbs and farm country outside of the city on a daily basis. I found myself feeling that pull to leave the city for a while now, and it's led me to spend a great deal of time online looking for magazines, websites, and organizations that profile beautiful homes, great people, and awesome organizations that live and work outside of New York City. There are plenty of options for people to read about life outside of the city, but out of all of them, And North has become my favorite, and today I am so thrilled to be joined by its founder, Emma Tuchillo. Emma, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. I've become like a, a weird obsessor of And North, um, not only because you're profiling my favorite part of New York State, but um, you also just have impeccable taste and it's a very well curated guide so before we get too far tell people a little bit about what you do with and north so and north is a guide to upstate new york for creative individuals so we'll feature people's homes and artist studios and shops and restaurants and farms um, and outdoor adventures but all with sort of a very specific eye and hopefully from sort of a specific point of view how did you pick the name The name was a long process. Um, We started with a lot more sort of obvious names, um, and we kind of really wanted to have the name before we started thinking about the design of the site, which was important to our designer, Tim. Um, And everything was taken. And I kind of feel like the more restrictions um, are put on you, the more creative you become. And so I don't think it's a name we ever would have ended up with, but I'm so happy we did because it's really simple and really speaks to sort of the inclusivity of what we're trying to do. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the geographic area you're covering. I find one of the biggest debates that happens, and I I think it's a generational debate as well, and it's also a locals versus new residents debate, is what sort of classifies as upstate New York. And upstate's a term I am guilty of using all the time, and then people from Albany go, Upstate is not the Hudson <laughs> Valley. But to you, what does upstate mean? Well, we wanted to keep it really general. And so I know from people coming from the city, upstate can mean, you know, driving 30 hours north to Westchester, which is where I'm from. Um, but I know that if you talk to someone from Rochester, they're not even going to say they're from upstate, which is um, Katie Lobel, one of our team members, is from there. And she's like, no, you have to go almost to the end of Canada, you know. Um, so for us, it really was just a direction like anything further north from the city. Um, and we wanted to keep it really 
really open. We didn't want to just focus on the Hudson Valley, though we love it. Um, so we wanted to make it so that we could keep expanding. So um, I know it's a highly debated topic and you know choice, but um, it really just means anything north. That's great. I'm glad you're keeping it wide open. I think that there's there is this big pull to leave the city and head, whether it's north or south, east or west. At this point, um, I think most people seem to be going north or northwest in some general direction. And I have friends who are in Sharon Springs, and I feel like people who drive six, seven, eight hours north of New York consider that up. But yeah. it's open for debate. Um, I love hearing everybody's sort of New York story and what got them into sort of exploring this area and digging deeper beyond the immediate city area what was your tie to the general upstate area so i well i grew up in westchester and hastings on hudson um and i went to school in suny new paltz so about an hour and a half north and so that was really my way of starting to explore upstate um but i'd been going there sort of all throughout my childhood my parents loved woodstock and um had always had these different ties my aunt went to suny new paltz in the 70s um so there were a lot of times when we would explore upstate together that sounds awesome so you're responsible for a lot of the photographs um for Anne north but let's talk about your background how did you get into photography in general because that's your main full-time job now right Sort of. Sorry. I also have many sort of different things going on. I also work full-time for an arts organization, um, but I studied photography in school. I started when I was in high school, um, freshman year, and I was this very sort of I had a purist. I had these very specific sort of boundaries of what I thought photography was, and a lot of that came from my mom, who's also a photographer, and I was only doing black and white um, film, and I didn't think that any photos should be posed in any way. Everything had to be just as it was. Um, so I was doing a lot of sort of candid portraiture on the street, and I felt this really comfort real sense of comfort going up to anyone I met and asking to take their picture or not asking at all. Um, probably putting myself in some dangerous situations. But um, So I then went to school for it and everything kind of got flipped on its head because I was doing a fine arts program where almost everything was constructed. Um, and so I had to really sort of get out of my comfort zone. I had to do digital photography, which I couldn't stand at the time, which now I do a lot of. Um, and then I sort of had to figure out what's the balance for me of, you know, taking all of this patience that I learned from film and all of this um, ideas of sort of capturing life as it is and, and sort of working into fine art. So I started to photograph a lot of people's homes, um, which was really exciting to me. There's so many amazing homes in upstate New York, some that are, you know, beautiful and, you know, designed by people coming from the city. But the ones that were so exciting to me were the ones that sort of had been there for a long time and had these collections building up of interesting objects. So I started asking, meeting people on the street, asking if I could photograph them, their home. Um, and then I did this project about neighbors where I photographed um, people um, um, in their homes and then their neighbors' homes and then together because I really wanted to bridge this gap of you know knowing who your neighbors are. Um, and then my thesis project was of my grandparents' home in Brooklyn, which is all the way out in Mill Basin, and it hasn't changed in the slightest since 1960. And my mom's room and my aunt's room are the same they were. And so um, I just love sort of finding these amazing sort of museums of homes and, um, and sort of exploring them through photography. I love, I think the the photographing of homes is one of the most intimate things you can do, almost more intimate than photographing someone just 
their portrait. What's your home photography philosophy? I find most photographers have their own way of approaching a, a particular space and how they choose to represent it. Do you style things? Do you move them? Or do you try to capture them just exactly as they are? It's something I think about a lot. I really try to go into a space and not style things as much as I can, depending on what I'm featuring. Um, but I really like to show the way other people are styling their homes. And if I've already sort of vetted the person and I already sort of know their style, then I really want to trust them. Um, but, you know, if it's like something's looking a little cluttered and I really want to show a vignette, I might clean it up a little bit. But I do think with Upstate and we're really sort of trying to document lives and it's not really, you know, what we would make of a space. It's really showing what other people would. So um, that's sort of important to me when I go into a space and just sort of walking around and looking around first and not sort of pulling out my camera right away. I think, um, and this is obviously a generalization, but I think it's one that it's fairly accurate at the moment. I feel like so many of the homes that are photographed um, that are in the Hudson Valley at this sort of moment in the design world have that very sort of Brooklyn-y, new meets old <laughs> slash farmhouse look that everyone loves, myself included right now. Um, and I see so much of it. Do you ever walk into a house and feel like it's the same thing over and over again? Or do you feel like there's some variance I do see a lot of variants. I mean, I think I'm definitely attracted to certain styles, so I think I'm, you know, going to a lot of houses that kind of match that aesthetic. Um, but, I mean, the homes, I think what's so different upstate is that you are usually buying a house or renting a house that has so much history, and so the bones of that house are just going to make for the most sort of interesting sort of blanket and sort of base of what you're designing on. So that really adds to it, and... Um, I mean, I also love how a lot of people who live upstate are have you know constantly working on their homes, and so that's also been a part of the site of like finding like we featured this jewelry designer Rebecca Peacock, and she was in process of redoing her house, and so I loved it because it had these beautiful pieces of furniture and you know whitewashed floors, but it still had you know like an unfinished wall, and and that really speaks to upstate too because I think people are constantly you know like working on their space and learning about home improvement <laughs> from sort of the inside out. Absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about building from the base up. I, I'm so curious to know sort of how you decided to structure and North and how you decided what you would include and not include. Sort of how did you get the bare bone structure for the site up and going? So I started and North before I even started. I was doing the sort of research and I didn't even know it because I was, um, you know, I was looking at designs much a lot and I was looking at Kinfolk and Serial Magazine and um, really aligning with these aesthetics that really spoke to me. And so I was really drawn to this very minimal aesthetic, um, really strong visuals. And when it came time, when, when the idea sort of came back to me. I did have a similar idea three years ago with a friend where we we're kind of going to document our own lives upstate, but it was a very different idea when I was living in the city um, as a way of really bridging the gap between the city and upstate. So um, I started thinking about all those things that I looked at and how I would do it differently and how I would do it similarly. Um, and so that was a big part of it. And then when I brought Tim LaSalle, our designer on, who's a friend of mine, and we went to school together, I knew that we had similar styles and that he would really get behind this sort of minimalist approach um, and that having the design of the site was sort of the first thing we needed to do before starting to build content. And then it was really about I really wanted to see a site that was a mixture of travel and lifestyle. So you could sit at your desk on a Wednesday and look at someone's beautiful home, or you could pull out the site driving through New Paltz and see what we recommend. So that was sort of an, a balance I wanted to strike as well. 
Mm-hmm. One of the things I think is so fascinating these days with the new publications that pop up is whether or not they choose to make um, sort of profitability a big factor. And you and I talked a little bit about this before we recorded today. And I think it's so wonderful and so rare that this project started as, and it still is, like a passion-based project. Talk a little bit about keeping that as the focus, because I think that's actually pretty rare these days. Yeah. So for right now, it's a passion project. There are six of us working on it, but we all have full-time jobs in addition. Um, and we all have sort of different skill sets and, um, we all sort of form together organically. Um, but we sort of at first thought maybe we would do sort of an advertisement banner based business model. But as we sort of honed in our mission more and figured out really why we're doing this site, it seemed sort of counterintuitive to take money from the local businesses that we really wanted to help. Um, and we think that just by choosing them and featuring them that we're actually sort of helping their business. So then we started looking for more creative ways to monetize in the future. But for right now, we're really focusing on just sort of building up our content, um, making a name for ourselves, building up our audience and really figuring out what we are. Cause I think blogs are not static. They really grow. Um, and so we have some ideas for the future um, on sort of sort of more creative ways of monetizing. But for right now, we're sort of focusing on the day to day and then looking towards the future for when we have a bigger audience. I think it's nice. I think it's very rare these days to see a new anything, whether it's a magazine or a blog or anything pop up where you don't feel the immediate hand of sponsorship present. And, and as someone who has that, I understand why it's necessary. But I, I miss the heyday of early <laughs> blogs when it was just about these ideas and following people. And I understand and, and my head can balance the difference between needing to start with something being funded versus having the time to have it be a passion project. But for me, And North has this very distinct feel of like, you guys are so excited to be out there photographing things, talking to people and learning more. And that sort of feeling is so contagious as a reader. So I'm so I'm glad. Yeah. Glad it's there. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about your mission. I'm glad you mentioned that. What what is the mission of And North is do you want people to move there to visit um, to support those businesses all of the above? It's definitely a mixture. Um, really, upstate to me is so inspiring in so many different ways. And I think it could be so many different things, um, depending on sort of your point of view. Um, so first, it was really just like bringing awareness to this area, showing the things and the places and the people that I love. Um, but also really promoting the businesses that are there um, and inspiring the creative people in the city um, to sort of step away from their busy lives and to gather some inspiration and to go on an adventure and to meet someone they wouldn't ordinarily meet. I mean, I love walking down the street upstate and just striking up a conversation with someone, which is so difficult in the city. Um, And so that was a part of it. Um, And yeah, I think it's just such an interesting spot that hasn't really been documented documented that much because there's so many creative overflow coming from the city um and so I really like that back and forth um but it was definitely um to sort of show people this area inspire them and to help the area to grow okay I want to ask some more about that that balance between local and new people in those businesses after the break but we're going to take a quick break and I'll be right back with Emma from and north
The International Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef's Story. Check out our ICC website at internationalculinarycenter.com. Hey, and welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm talking to Emma Tuchillo of And North. Before the break, we were talking about sort of the genesis of this project, and I'd love to talk about what an average day in the life looks like for you. What is it like to run a new publication like this and balance your regular day job at the same time? It's different every day, really is. I mean, there's six of us, which is wonderful, and we're all doing different areas of the project. Um, so a lot of it is me waking up early and posting on Instagram and sort of fitting in emails and calls and text messages with the rest of the team. Um, sometimes, well, what I love about it and which is really what sort of started me on it personally is that I get to practice so many different creative forms um, every day. And so it's always different and exciting. And so I remember when I was... Um, I assisted a stylist and I told her that I really wanted to do photography and styling and she said no well you have to choose one and I just felt like I hit this brick wall and I was like I just don't think that's really true anymore um I think it's changed a lot with sort of this online life so but I feel like sort of the best way to do many things is to start your own thing so that was part of it and I think every day I get to you know work with Kayla Bell on our events or Alyssa with writing and um, with Tim where we'll sort of go back and forth for hours texting about a design that we're working on um, that he's coming to me with and um, and so it changes and then on the weekends we often go upstate um, where you know sometimes I'll do a few photo shoots or I'll meet with new people or get a tour of a space or um, sometimes we'll sponsor events or hold events um, so it, it changes a lot but it makes it really interesting and even the sort of boring things like writing a spreadsheet can be really fun because it's really our own thing and that feels really different mm-hmm. oh the early days of the project <laughs> I remember sure when spreadsheets were fun <laughs> singing another tune later on. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's going to develop just fine. It sounds like you've got a really good, strong team on your hands. And I think that that is sort of a uniquely now thing of having team members who do several different types of skills at once. I mean, I remember even just like five years ago, you would hire somebody just to write, just to edit, just to pho- photograph things. But now sort of the early 20s generation of people who are creating content online are capable of doing all of these things of producing video, of writing, editing, the whole thing. So it gives you like a very wide ranging, talented team to work with. Definitely. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about the photography style of And North, which is so beautiful and very much in the vein of what's happening right now of this sort of slightly darker, slightly moody look that I associate sort of just with New York in general right now in terms of photography. Is that particular style something you guys are going for or is that just sort of what comes out of you naturally? It's pretty natural. I actually didn't think of it as moody, and then I'm like, oh my god, you're actually right. I was thinking more of a bright and clean, but it actually is pretty moody. Um, A lot of it comes from my own just um, aesthetic, and then um, we've been bringing on a lot of amazing contributors, and so um, a lot of them share a certain style, or I'll, I'll always sort of edit the photos at the end, so it's always sort of I love grouping them together and, and choosing the diptychs and, um, and editing the look and feel of them. But 
I guess it isn't such a formulaic thing. It kind of is just a gut feeling and then going from there. And how are you guys choosing who you decide to feature um, online? And then how much of a balance are you looking for between sort of relatively new locals um, and people who've been there for like their entire life? Yeah, it's a balance I'd like to work on even more. Um, Basically, a lot of it is sort of a gut feeling or, um, you know, finding someone and then they'll connect us, which happens all the time upstate. I think people are a little bit less competitive because I think any attention on upstate and any more sort of influx of um, new creatives is kind of good for everyone in a way. And so we've gotten a lot of great um, tips from other people we've featured. When I first started, I made this list of every town I knew and every restaurant, place, and farm in that town and every person I knew in that town. Um, And the list was several pages long, and I haven't even started tapping into it yet because we've been meeting so many new people um, and sort of joining this new community. But for now, I mean, we only post once a week for now, and I I really would love to um, sort of strike that balance a little bit more. I think for right now, we have been meeting a lot of people that are coming from the city, um, and and I, as I was saying before, I just love these homes that have been there forever, so I'd love to be featuring more of those, but I think it's a balance that we need to work on. Yeah, I think that sort of tenuous balance is something I'm always fascinated by and interested in. Um, I mean, I think being of a certain age and demographic, it's impossible to not be essentially a gentrifier. It's kind of what we're all doing, and it's just what happens, and if I don't think those of us who are interested in moving up north or anywhere else shouldn't be allowed to do that. But I think it is such an interesting balance. And I'm noticing it's happening more and more with even younger people. I feel like this used to be something that happened when people were in their like mid to late 30s. They would start looking north or to the suburbs because they had children or different school districts, all these things. But now I feel like I'm meeting more and more creatives in New York in particular who are max like 24 and they're already considering buying houses, moving upstate. Um, What do you think is inspiring this move of like younger and younger people to head north? I think the online culture is a big part of it. I think um, I've seen a lot of young people starting businesses and instead of staying in the city, they're moving into the middle of the woods somewhere, but they have a great online presence and they're able to have this weaving company. Um, A lot of the art forms are kind of antiquated, which I love. Um, and be able to have a successful business. And so they're able to have this lifestyle that's really beautiful and bucolic and, you know, have land um, and be able to be sort of still a part of that scene that they love in the city and be successful. Um, And that's something I see over and over, which is really inspiring for me. One thing I'm always curious about is, do you think there's an in-between place? Like the, the problem I always run into, and this is something I always in my head, I'm like, what are ways we can all do to fix this? Is there, when you have the move of somebody who, let's say, is like a weaver and leaves from Brooklyn, moves up to Woodstock and starts weaving there and selling things that are very fairly, but perhaps highly <laughs> priced to, to reflect handmade work. But then it seems that their goods are primarily sold to people back in the city and that it's difficult for people in that area to support and pay for things that are in that price point. Is there an in-between place where people who move up there don't have to just solely sell back to these sort of higher price point communities? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think um, even if you're not potentially selling to the community, I think really embracing the community is huge. So maybe you're giving a weaving class or, you know, for like Kingston Wine Company, having these hikes where they take people around and, um, and show them new wine. 
Um, so I think it's just really being aware of your surrounding community. Um, and I know, you know, if you're making things by hand, it's going to be expensive, but trying to think about how to include the community more around you. Cause yeah, I can't afford most of those beautiful weavings either. And I'd love to, but I, I know that there's parts of those that I can get involved in and, you know, they sell those like Marianne Moody sells those kits that you can do yourself. And so she's trying to inspire others to be weavers. So I think there's a lot of ways to sort of embrace the community in that way. Absolutely. I think education is a really great idea. I don't, I, in my head, I'm always trying to just think of like the retail aspect of things and how do you change a price point or change a process so it's still affordable to more people. But I love the idea of sort of people who've been weaving in Woodstock for the last 50 years, learning and teaching with people who are sort of new transports from the city. I think that would be an interesting place to explore. Um, we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you a couple more quick questions. Um, for the next five years, where do you see And North going? What's your big picture goal? Well, we think a lot about the day-to-day and the month-to-month, but then we sort of allow ourselves to daydream about the bigger picture. And so sometimes we do talk about having a quarterly printed publication, which I think would lend itself really well to the medium. We love a lot of, you know, Gather Journal and Kinfolk. Um, we also are thinking about having actual guided tours, sort of these sort of curated guides, guides of Upstate. So having an expert take you on a hike and then take you to our favorite cafe and really giving someone a curated experience, but also literally helping the businesses that we want to support. Um, which I think would just be really fun. And we know so many great people upstate that that would be, you know, great ways to collaborate. Um, But for right now, we're just really focusing on the content, um, building our numbers. But but I think it has a lot of room to grow. And, you know, every week we're kind of thinking of new, new ideas and new directions to take it in. What has the response been from people who are sort of locals of of upstate uh, to publications like yours and, and others? Yeah, I mean, I think it could be mixed. Again, I think like back with like educating your community and knowing your, your surrounding, um, I think it's really important to <laughs> really interact with the locals. Um, if you're moving upstate, I think, you know, people are so afraid of this invasion of Brooklyn. But I think if you have, you know, your heart in the right place and you start talking to a stranger on the street about where they get their wood or where to get a cup of coffee that um, people are really, really welcoming. Um, I think what's a little hard is, um, you know, we're not claiming to be experts um, and we're really just curious and and sort of exploring along with everybody else. Um, So I think allowing other people to tell us about their ideas of places we should go to, um, because there's always new things to discover, and vice versa, like for someone who's been there for 20 years, I think that's what's so great about Upstate, is they can still discover new things, and there's still new new people moving in and, you know, new caves to discover in Rosendale. So so I think that's important, but, you know, there's always going to be that backlash, but Upstate is a very, very big place, and it doesn't run the risk of becoming overpopulated like the Hamptons or something like that. So I think there's room for everyone, but you should, you know, know your locals and know your community and try to join it. Do you ever see yourself expanding at some point to do and West or <laughs> and South? <laughs> we had this really funny joke that when we were tired, we're going to do and South and do like in <laughs> Boca Raton. Um, yeah, we kept the name really um, open so that if we ever did want to expand that we could. But for right now, there's such a wealth of wonderful gems in upstate that we're sort of have our hands full. But um, I think that could be nice as well. There's so much to explore. I would love to see a super hipster and Boca. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> so before we go, I have a couple super short questions to ask you. So get ready. <laughs> Let's start with the first one. What is the very first website that you load when you wake up in the morning? 
Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Who is somebody that you look up to when time is tough? Probably my grandmother, my nan. What is a brand that you can't get enough of? Hmm. I love my friends Materia Designs who do furniture and lighting and they're really talented. Uh, what is your favorite Instagram feed or trend? Hmm. I am in love with local milk. I love everything she does. Her moody lighting and everything so natural and gorgeous. Yeah. She's the queen of moody she lighting. Her, oh, it's, did you see the collaboration between her and Jersey Ice Cream Co. where they yes, did the house oh outside God. of Hudson? That I need an, to see this house. It was gorgeous. <laughs> um, if someone gifted you an infinite sum of money to be used only on a dream home, where would you build it and what would it look like? Hmm... I love Rosendale. I lived there for a little while, and it would probably be there, and it would probably have a lot of land, a vineyard for my boyfriend, who's in wine, and um, probably just like a ton of wood beams. Oh, it would be black on the outside and white on the inside. Matte black? It would be that kind <laughs> of burned black, you know? The Japanese. That's yes. beautiful. <laughs> There's more and more happening with that sort of look these days. I'm very, very tempted by the, the matte black burned outside. And last but not least, what does your dream 24 hours in upstate New York look like? All right. I would drive up. I'd have a breakfast sandwich at the Big Cheese in Rosendale. I would probably visit friends at Kingston Wine Company in Kingston, go to the caves, and have a burger at Market Markets, all surrounding around Rosendale, um, and probably drive up to the lookout and look at the, the sunset from up near Shaft 2A is near New Paltz. That sounds perfect. I'm so inspired by what you and your team are doing. I think it's wonderful to see people really looking outside of the city for, for creativity and not only looking for it, but really embracing the creativity that already exists there and celebrating that alongside all the things that are new and exciting and wonderful. So I'm a huge fan of Ange North and I hope everybody listening will be too. Um, where can people find you online if they want to check out more? We're at annorth.com. On Instagram, it's just at Ann North. Um, and my personal one is Emma underscore Austin with an E-N. Sounds good. Emma, <laughs> thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. And thanks so much to all of you for listening. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.